Hello, everyone. I'm Tara Lon. Welcome to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. I'm here today with Dr. Katherine Smerling. Dr. Smerling is a psychotherapist who provides a variety of adult, family, and child therapy in her private practice. She's also a nationally recognized expert contributor for various outlets such as CNN, HLN, and Fox News. On this episode, we're going to be discussing depression and suicide within the family dynamic and strategies to work through months of social distancing. Hi, Dr. Smerling. Welcome. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, thanks so much for joining. This is such an important topic, so I'm so grateful to have your expertise on the show today. Thank you. I hope I can help. So can we just start by just getting to know you a little bit? Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice? Sure. Um, interestingly enough, I started out as a nursery school teacher. And it uh, gave me a very good insight into, cho- into young children and how to work with young children. And I completed my Ph.D. at Fordham University in early childhood education. After that, I went on to get two other master's in uh, social work and the externship in at the Ackerman Institute for the Family. And I studied psychotherapy at National Institute for Psychotherapies. And I haven't stopped learning ever since then. I have an unquestionable in, in quest for knowledge. And I love working with families and I love working with relationships. And there's a lot that we can trace back to how we were raised and what happened in our early childhood that impacts upon us as how we are adults today. So that has been a very useful beginning. I also am passionate about a school that I helped start in Liberia, West Africa, which in the past seven years have gone from 50 kids to 750. And we're going to have a graduating class this year, which is really exciting. Oh, that's amazing. And, um, Yes, it, it's very, very exciting and very amazing. And I'm very dedicated. I go almost every year. I was there in January, which was my last trip before the coronavirus. So hmm. I'm thrilled that I was able to get that in. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. I'm living a family system that I truly believe in. I am a stepdaughter, a stepmother to two children from a form, from my husband's former marriages who also have children of their own. And we have a child ourselves, my husband and myself, who is 26 years old and has finally decided to become a teacher himself. After being in the movie business for several years, he decided that that wasn't his cup of tea. And now he's studying for his master's at Hunter College and at Bank Street in early childhood education as well. Oh, interesting. The passion passion runs through the history of our family. As I always say with families is that we either repeat or repair. We repeat the same mistakes and the same, the same kind of relationships that we had as children, or we repair them Mm. and we, we redo them so that they function well. And we have an extraordinarily blended family, which is very successful. And I'm very proud of that. Okay. Excellent. Um, So today we're talking about, depression and suicide prevention within the family structure. So uh, let me just ask you personally, are you encountering more people who are in distress emotionally since uh, COVID, this whole pandemic has started? I am. I think the 
the COVID and the pandemic has exacerbated whatever feelings were beneath the surface before. And, you know, it was very easy to distract, especially in New York City or Los Angeles or any anywhere where there's lots of opportunities for distraction. There's plenty to do, plenty of people to meet, plenty of places to go. And all of a sudden we were locked up. You know, I'm saying locked up, but we were we were quarantined. And the only people that we had to look at was ourselves and our family. Yeah. And that could be a frightening thing because we have spent a lot of time running away from who we are. And that's what all these distractions have been. So, yes, I'm seeing a, a real unease and anxiety and mixed with depression. And, of course, we all don't know what the answers are. So that's even more distressing for people. Right. Now, let's say someone um, before this pandemic, um, maybe they've had thoughts of suicide. Do you think that being in um, this pandemic now is increasing those thoughts for people who may have, you know, thought about it before? Like, are there any statistics out there that? Well, I think, yes. And I think the at-risk people are the people who live alone and are full of despair because they haven't really connected with anyone for three, four months and the recent suicide of Steve Bing, who was a um, a Hollywood figure, is reflective of that. And it, it is said that he died of loneliness and mm. that he did suicide because he felt so incredibly alone. And I think it's really important to reach out to people, really important to do your virtual therapy. I'm starting to see people in my office, which has become such a pleasure because there's so much more that you get from um, from 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 seeing someone face to face than you do from Zoom calls. Although Zoom calls can be highly effective, don't discount them, please. Yeah, but if you need help, please seek help. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for those people who have loved ones that maybe they're concerned about them, but they don't really know what the signs are to look for, if maybe they are having suicidal thoughts? Like, are there any telltale signs that maybe loved ones should look out for if they suspect that maybe yes, one of their loved definitely. ones is going through this? I think a withdrawal from, from the world, that means you're not reaching out to anyone. You either stop eating or you start drinking a lot. You're doing drugs. Um, you're doing anything that's self-soothing to an excess. And one of the things that is very high... Uh, significant in uh, suicide is the total withdrawing, the sleeping a lot, not eating, um, not communicating, being unavailable to communicate. If you have a friend or a family member who has kind of dropped from sight, please reach out. Yes. Um, now, what about in children? Uh, maybe parents are concerned about their child. Like, what are some things they look. They can look for maybe in a young child. Irritability, irritability, sadness, anger, excessive mood cha mood changes. Mm -hmm. Wanting also to do nothing but play video games or do something which is self soothing in in that respect. Um, not participating with the family, outbursts, um, behaviors oppositional behaviors, all of those are indicative of a child who is suffering depression. Yeah. 
Now, people who may have suicidal thoughts, are they more likely to express those thoughts verbally to people or do they kind of keep those to themselves, those thoughts? You know, it's very interesting, but people who um, are likely to commit suicide keep them to themselves more than those that keep on saying that they will kill themselves, which is not an indication that someone that keeps on repeating that they're going to kill themselves is going is not going to do it. You have to be very you have to be very very watchful of that but it's usually the person that withdraws and in children it's irritability it's um shame a lot of shame you know um not meeting parents expectations not meeting family's expectations um and you know feeling as though there is such despair that it blankets you that nothing, even the sun is shining and you can't appreciate the fact that the sun is shining. It's disturbing. It's too bright. It gets in your eyes. It's too hot. It's people are too happy. That would all disturb someone and make make someone who has suicidal tensions very, um, very irritable. Mm, okay. Now let's talk again about the fa- the family dynamic because I'm sure there's a lot of families that are you know struggling in this area whether it's a parent, uh, maybe it's one of the parents or maybe it's one of the children. So let's start with the, a parent. So let's say um, you know I'll just say maybe a spouse is suspecting that their spouse may be suffering from this. Uh, maybe it's a deep depression or, you know, maybe they're even thinking that they may be thinking about suicide. Like what should be their first course of action for that spouse to try to get them help? Get help. Get help. Like what, what are you saying? They should call a professional and or like what? Absolutely. If- Absolutely. And confront, confront your loved one. Say you need help. I'll go with you. You're not alone in this. I don't want to lose you. It would be very selfish of you to commit suicide and and leave your children. Very often, someone who is committing suicide is so wrapped up in their own depression that they can't see that they might be hurting other people by their law not being around. So I think that it's really necessary to reframe and try to open um, the mind of someone who is so depressed. Also, there's some wonderful drugs out there. We're in the year 2020, and we have some wonderful um, psychodynamic drugs, which can help lift the bottom of of people who um, who are feeling such despair and depression. I always tell my clients that if you take an SSRI, all it does is remove the basement. You're on the first floor. You don't have to sink to the basement or the sub-basement. It gives you a floor upon which you can you can make yourself better rather than sinking and spiraling all the way down. It's just that there is no shame in taking in getting help and taking a drug if you need it. Absolutely no shame in that. And I think that we have to eliminate the um, the shame that goes along with mental illness and and um, health problems. I, you know, I think that it's becoming more profound in the workplace where mental health problems affect productivity. It's becoming more profound in the family systems where um, one person can upset the whole family system and create chaos if they aren't taking care of themselves mentally and emotionally. And you don't really see things clearly if if you are in, in clouded in a depression. 
you don't. Right. You see things you think you see things in a very um very distorted way. Clarity is is part of mental health and help is available. I'm just so thankful that more people are talking about about mental illness and health and just getting the help and just I think talking about it more it makes people more prone to want to get help when they see other people going through what they're going through. So I'm, I'm grateful that more people are talking about it, actually. Definitely. And if one thing the pandemic has brought about is that there's less of a stigma because this was a this is a pandemic that has caused a an emotional trauma for a whole swath of people. This is not just the people that are weak. This is not just the people that are wussy and can't control their emotions. This has affected everyone and has not um, escaped, and not escaped anyone. Everyone has been affected by this pandemic and is talking about it more openly than they would had there not been a pandemic. And we have had lots of distractions. We have no distractions anymore. Mm-hmm. We have to face ourselves and we have to face our emotional and mental well-being. Yeah, hopefully people will be will come out of this stronger mentally after all this is said and done, just because of what we've been going through for so many months. You know, um, I mean, we are resilient. We can handle a lot. But if we do need the help along the way, we definitely need to make sure we're getting that help. We need to get our priorities intact. And the first priority is self-care, because without self-care, you're not going to be able to take care of anyone else. Right. I know I have to constantly pull myself away from the news because it's so negative. So I can imagine how someone who's just ingrained in that, um, how it can affect them. Like, what part do you think that plays in in all of this as far as in, in mental health, just in general? Oh, I think that a lot of people have decided not to not to look at the news. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, people were glued to their televisions to try and find out what actually was going on. And I think as more and more um, information has come through, and with the with the idea with the the killing of uh, Floyd mm-hmm. and Black Lives Matter and the COVID and the denial of the COVID. It has caused many people not to look at the news and to get their, you know, to get their news any, from other places and to make it a limited period of time. I've often suggested that people look at the news half half an hour in the morning, maybe 15 minutes at night, and then that's it. But to be consumed by it is is very disturbing because there are no answers. Yeah. And I think people are so consumed by it by news, by media, technology, just because they have so much time on their hands now. Like more people, they're just home and they're using that as their outlet for hours on end. But it's not healthy. I mean, it's not healthy at all. No, Um, it's definitely not healthy. It's definitely not healthy. And this is also a time where I'm talking about self-care, where you could be learning a new skill, where you could be playing a video game with you. I was playing a video game during the pandemic with my with my son, Animal Crossing. It was so much fun. We had a great time doing it. And there are other ways that you can fill your mind with with joy and laughter rather than looking at the news, which often is very repetitive and um, not particularly informative. Yes. No, I agree wholeheartedly. I've, I've talked to many friends who have started businesses during this time because this is a great 
time to do that actually and um, just start hobbies that they were wanting to do. So yeah, I agree with you on that wholeheartedly. Um, and speaking of technology, uh, let's let's talk about kids and technology because I know a lot of parents are finding that their kids are spending so much time on technology because they're having to work from home maybe while the kids are out of school and they're not in a camp. Like, do you think that uh, too much technology can worsen mental illness in children? Um, I definitely feel that way. I, you know, um, I think spending too much screen time for adults is dangerous. And spending too much screen time for kids is is just mind-numbing. I mean, the weather is nice now. We're in the summer months, and it just would be wonderful for the kids to put down the computer and get outside and get some fresh air. And that's what, actually, that's what we all need right now. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I recommended to all my clients, and I sent out weekly newsletters to my clients with ideas for how they could manage the anxiety and the depression that they may be feeling. And one of the things that I said right from the very beginning is, please get outside, please walk. How many times per week, Dr. Smerling, would you say? Um, I walk every day. I walk every day. But I would say that if you can walk three times a week and put on a podcast, maybe a podcast like yours or something else that's that in which you learn something and you appreciate the rest of the the other world instead of the world inside your head is a is a bonus during the podcast i listen to brene brown i listen to the daily i listen to sugar calling i'll now listen to your podcast it's it it's a wonderful way to to learn and walk or talk and sometimes i talk to clients when i walk and it's a wonderful feeling because it frees your mind when you walk. Mm-hmm. It frees all of the all of the set um, the things that we usually the the roots are neuromuscular roots that are so ingrained in us. Right. What are some other practical ways families can keep their mental health in check? I, I love the walking idea. I do that a lot with my kids. I think board games are fun. Card games, board games. Biking together, mm-hmm. having a picnic, a simple picnic. And those are all things people can do dur- during the quarantine. Yes, they can. They're all things that people can do during the quarantine. Right. And they're, they're easy to do during the quarantine. Very easy, yep. Dr. Smerling, I want to talk about depression in children a little bit because I know there's some concerns from parents about their uh, child's uh, and children's mental state. Now, let's say um, a parent is noticing a child is kind of sinking into a depression. They've never had an issue with mental illness before. Like, do you think their first course of action should reach out to a doctor? Or are there some practical ways they can kind of help their child through whatever dark period that they might be going through? I think there there are practical ways that parents can help their children. But I think that that you have to be very, very sensitive to the fact that you cannot, as a mom or a dad, you cannot do everything. That there is professional help out there, which can often be more objective than you are about your own child. So I would say that, yes, speak to your child, read books together with your child about emotions, about feelings. Talk to your child about maybe a time that you didn't feel 
you didn't feel happy about the world and how you were able to get out of it, it's always good to make yourself a real person um, to your children so that you know they know that you're a vulnerable person as well. Um, and I think that you do talk about it with your children. If you see that this is persistent and your son or daughter can't get out of this, this kind of stuck place that they're in, please seek help and don't wait. Right. And then one last question. Let's say um, there's a loved one, a spouse who uh, is concerned about their spouse, but the spouse does not want to get help. Like, would you recommend the one who's concerned to reach out to a therapist on their own and get help? Like if, if their spouse is just not, they refuse to get help. Like w- what should they do in that instance? If they know this is something very serious and their loved one absolutely needs help. I think you can do an intervention. You certainly can do an intervention and you can make sure with, with a professional, you can make sure that you love your spouse or your child or your friend very, very much, but they need help. And it's okay to need help. The great message, Tirolan, is that it is okay to need help. We can collaborate. It does take a village. Sometimes you can't do things by yourself. Don't be ashamed. There's no shame in being vulnerable. There's right. no shame in in being in a position where you where you feel vulnerable. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Smerling. And thank you so much for being on the show and just shedding your expertise on this very sensitive subject. Where can people find you if they want to know more information about you? I have a website. It's drsmerling, drsmerling at drksmerling.com. If you or anyone you know has suicidal thoughts or need help, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. You'll be connected to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area 24-7. Thanks for listening to Time Out with Tinseltown Mom. If you liked what you heard today, please be so kind and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.